0: There's so many different ways that we can contribute. And you open the pages of Grazy Her, and it's like women doing so many different things, Um, all rural women, but with lots and lots of different hats on. So it's good to kind of redefine um, that traditional image of of, (laughs) the rural woman.
1: Hello, and welcome to season two of Life on the Land, a Grazy Her podcast telling stories of rural and regional women across Australia. I'm Sky Manson. I'm your host for this episode. Author, blogger, and farmer Sophie Hanson is no stranger to the Crazy Her crowd. She regularly contributes recipes to the magazine, working alongside other rural creatives to bring an everyday eating scene beautifully to life through great photography and beautiful styling. But Sophie actually grew up in the city, in Sydney. And she only moved to the country when she fell in love with her now husband, Tim, who lives just outside of Orange in New South Wales. When she came many years ago, she brought with her a love and a talent for many things, cooking, writing, and community. And since being in the country, she's found a way to use these talents to spread the word to an audience in the city about the awesomeness of life on the land. Next year, Sophie will publish her third cookbook, She was the Australian Rural Woman of the Year in 2016, and each week, thousands of people devour her Monday newsletter, which she pens from the comfort of her farm. And really, she's an inspiration to so many women everywhere. Let's start by hearing how her life on the land began.
0: No, I wasn't always a country girl. I grew up in Sydney. Uh, I mean having said that my mum and dad we we shared a farm just out of Mudgee with another family when I was a kid so definitely and, and had lots of cousins and stuff in the country so I definitely had a lot of exposure to country life but no I, w- I definitely grew up went to school in the city and never really for a minute thought that I would um, live my adult life in the country but that's the way it turned out. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's so interesting. So, you didn't ever imagine that, that that was what you would like to one day do to to end up on a farm, given that your rallies were so um, involved in it?
0: Mm, no, I mean, I, I loved spending time in the country. It just didn't cross my mind that that would be in, in my kind of full-time future. Like, I, I really... I guess, especially in my 20s, I really loved my job and the world I was working in. I was working in magazines and food magazines and I really enjoyed that. And just, you know, it was a different time, I guess, because remote working is such a given these days. But back then, I don't know, Just, I just like, well, my work's in Sydney, my life's in Sydney, that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> that's what I always thought would happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit then about your life on the land. Can you paint me a picture of what it looks like for you now?
0: Yeah. Um, So we have um, – we were – always originally um, we had well we still do had deer and a venison business which is called mandagery Creek venison um, so but you know the last few years of the drought we had to destock a little bit and it's not all that easy just to go to a so and buy a heap of deer so we've diversified a bit we're now um, we have cattle as well um, we're not on a huge property property it's about 1500 acres um, and because it's not a huge big kind of family inherited place we've had to kind of well, my husband has been really clever in terms of um, vertical integrated kind of business. And so we do everything with the business. We market the meat. We export it ourselves. We, I mean, I say we, Tim does most of that. <laughs> um, so that's the kind of business side of things. And my, I mean, ever since I moved to the country 15 years ago, um, we both agreed that um like I had a very different set of skills to to his Tim's farming and, and meat marketing skills. So I always kept on with my own work. So I got a job in marketing um, for a local winery and then eventually kind of fell into this sort of freelance food blogging, food writing work. So I we share an office. Um, I do my work. I help on the farm as much as I'm needed and as much as I can. Probably more on weekends is when we just do stuff as a family on the farm. And, yeah, I just love it. I feel like overwhelmingly grateful actually every day for where I get to live and how I get to live so yeah while I never expected to live in the country I'm I'm hugely happy and glad that I do now
1: (laughs) I love seeing your little images each morning of your farm (laughs) tell me a little bit about how that makes you grateful and um, how, how how important that is for your days
0: well, I mean, I just started sharing little snaps from my morning walks because, I, and that was during COVID actually, and and I think that was really when it, it, I mean, I've always been happy to be where I am, but I think like a lot of people in the bush um, just realised how incredibly lucky we are that, you know, even in lockdown, we've got plenty of space around us and life goes on. Um, so yeah, just, just sharing. And I think just seeing where I get to live through kind of fresh eyes, I think, because um, you know, all these all these through my window websites and all these things around the world that we've all been kind of tapping into during lockdown around the world. Um, I think it's made a lot of us feel really more aware and grateful for where we do live. Um, so yeah, I just kind of snapping, snapping my morning walks, <laughs> among other things. And, um, you know, when we're out and about doing our farming stuff, because I, I often think because I know what it was like to live in the city and, and be interested in what goes on on farms. Um, I don't take that for granted either. So often like when I'm helping people with their social media, which is kind of another thing I do, I always say to people, um, don't underestimate how interested people are in what goes on behind those farm gates, like those little snaps in the yards or whatever it might be. Share them because I think people like to see, we're nosy as well, we like to see what goes on in different people's workspaces and homes. So I do share bits and bobs when I remember to pull my phone out. <laughs> and um. Yeah, it's nice because it reminds you to sort of stop and take a little snapshot in your head or on your phone and think about where you are.
1: And it's so simple what what you do. It's just a snap. It's not highly produced or, you mm. know, too thought out, I imagine.
0: No, and actually I find more and more now. The more I think things through, the more I kind of freeze up. So sometimes you just, I think, just do it. Just press play. Do what you, I mean, as long as you feel okay with it and it's something you want to share. But um, it's, um Yeah. I think the the less thinking sometimes with these things things can be the better, the better.
1: and that's what you, you what you were talking about before. So that you are almost such a great conduit between the rural and the country life and those in the city because you've had a foot in both camps um, for big chunks of your life. And I, I want to talk about that lots more. But I wanted to ask you. What was it like when you did move to Orange initially that transition from the busy buzzy uh glamorous even city life where you were working with magazines and and in marketing and there was you know so much happening there to the quieter life because of course this was at a time also before social media existed wasn't it
0: mm. Yes, it was just on the cusp of it. Like food blogs, I think were just starting to kind of happen, but Instagram wasn't born yet. I think it's just 10 years this month or this week, actually, Instagram. Um, It was, look, it was great. I mean, I was like completely head over heels in love with, still (laughs) with my husband, Tim. And so I, you know, we met and got engaged in three months. It was super quick, but didn't feel rushed or anything. Um. So I was just like, oh my God, yes, 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 so it was all good and I just kind of packed up and I was working for R.M. Um, Williams magazines at the time, so on Outback and Hoofs and Horns, which sadly doesn't exist anymore, not Horse and Hound, like everybody who's ever seen Notting Hill always says to me. Um, and to mm-hmm. their great credit, they, they were really great. They were like, well, why don't you do three days a week, you know, in Orange and three, two days a week back here and Um, and I thought about that for a while but it just got a bit tricky because we were also doing farmers markets practically every weekend in Sydney so coming backwards and forwards and it was so I thought no no I'll just do a whole fresh start in orange Um, and look it was great and I think it was a lot easier for me because Tim was already there like he's an orange boy Um, he had a network already that I could kind of step into in a sense um, initially and and that was great and then you know we started our family you know the following year and that brought the whole kind of mother's group and you know all those connections you make when you've got a new baby in a a town so I didn't find it um that hard or lonely and as I said because we were going to Sydney every weekend to the markets I was seeing my family my friends a lot and so I didn't really have a chance to be to kind of to miss them too much and also Orange as you know it's it's kind of it's always for a long time it's been really cosmopolitan kind of happening town so there's always been lots of good coffee and food and wine and all that kind of stuff so um it wasn't in any way a hardship or or anything but it was an adjustment for sure and I, I um you know I still have a lot to learn about farming I'm a bit hopeless with a lot of things I can't drive a tractor and all sorts of things but I'm learning um So, yeah, I mean, I guess elements of that, I felt lonely when Tim was travelling and I was on my own on this farm with all this darkness around me. All that kind of stuff took a while to get used to, but um, it was all good. I was happy to be there.
1: And what about in a community sense? Was there any, you know, glaring differences from the people that you knew in the city um to to these these new people that you now that now became such a big part of your life with in in the orange community
0: um I think the the main difference was like everybody kind of knows you and everybody like you walk down the street and um everyone stops and chats and they know your business and they know you're pregnant and they know you know what you're up to and and (laughs) um and I have to say that took a little bit of getting used to for me because um you know, the world I was living in, in Sydney, I was in an apartment, I was in the inner city. Um, You know, you barely kind of nod at your neighbours most of the time in that world. I think it changes as you get older and you kind of bed down into a suburb or an area and make it yours. But I was kind of moving around a lot um so yeah that took a while you know you go to the butcher and they'd know all your news and everybody's news and and it was friendly like there was nothing kind of um no bad intentions there but it just took a while to get used to everybody kind of knowing who you were and what you're doing there and what you'd have for breakfast that day um I think that was the main difference for me but um I you know it's it's all it's all with the very best of intentions so uh, I didn't mind it, but, um, yeah, just everybody kind of not having any anonymity I think was, a, was something to get used to for me.
1: When So when did the seed for, for Local is Lovely, your blog, um, when did it start to grow?
0: Um, so it started because, as I mentioned, we're at the markets um, every weekend or most weekends with our venison and I would do uh, like a recipe leaflet for every month, and write recipes out with our venison and other local produce, and I really loved that. I used to do a similar thing, you know, in a monthly magazine format, but I'd got to sort of distill it down just to the one product. And um, and I'd look around me at every markets, and I'd see us all like giving all these recipes away, and like writing, you know, the apple guys next to us be writing this, you know, beautiful apple cake down every weekend and giving it to all their customers. And I was like, wow, it'd be so cool to kind of collect all these recipes and all this knowledge and all this passion for farming and what we do somewhere and at the same time um, like I I was becoming aware of this sort of thing of like what food blogs were and a friend of mine told me hey you should start a food blog because I was missing writing I was missing being in a kind of editorial headspace so I started Local is Lovely to, to do that and to sort of cover what we were doing at the markets and share news from the farm and talk about the people that we we're storeholder neighbors with and beyond and yeah it just kind of happened from there and from the minute I press published on my first post I just fell in love with the medium I re- and I still am like I think it's pretty cool that absolutely anyone can just start a blog for free and say what they want to say and people will read it or they won't or whatever but it's your little corner of the internet and you get to do whatever you want on it and I I like that
1: me too. I, I just love it and I think can and you can talk to this too, I think, about the excitement that it gives you that you can share other stories with um, your own networks in, in the cities and, in, and and your urban crowd who may have no idea of the ins and outs of farming and different ways of producing things on the land.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and it gives us kind of primary producers um, a direct network, like a direct pathway to our consumers, you know, and especially with um, with venison because it's it's not an easy sell for a lot of people. Like it's it's quite a different meat, and a lot of people have had experience cooking it. They might be a bit anxious to spend their money on a cut of meat that they feel I might burn or whatever. So. Um, it's a really lovely way to be able to sort of take people by the hand, whether or not you're standing in front of them at the market, you know, you can be doing it in your kitchen table with a little video or post or whatever, and, and say, hey, I'm Sophie, we're the farmers, this is what you should do with our beautiful meat or cheese or potatoes or whatever it might be. So I, I still get really excited about that possibility and that that opportunity that that these kind of channels give us. Um and, you know, and I've been doing a little bit of work for National Farmers Federation recently and working with some cotton farmers and, you know, and I think it's really powerful that these guys are all having a direct voice and just explaining what they're doing and how they're doing it and how river management is really important all these sort of things because so much gets lost in translation through different forms of media and other voices and interpretation. So I think the more we can kind of stand up there with our own voice and talk directly to people
1: Local is lovely. Grew to encompass uh, and is still growing. Like so many things, you um, you had your blog. I remember your Friday list, which was a, like a newsletter email that came out mm-hmm. every week, which I loved, and many other people did too. And then, of course, workshops and your, your first cookbook and um, farmer profiles and um, and now I know you have another newsletter. What can you tell me a little bit about your approach to that? And locally is lovely as a an evolving business, and when you've decided to change and and pivot and offer new things for your followers.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Sky, I really wish I could say there was like a grand plan. Um, It's been really, um, uh, let's say, organic um, the way it's all kind of happened and. I think like the one thing I I do think is that if you just sort of keep showing up and putting good stuff out there opportunities do come from that like for years I blogged three times a week two times a week and you know everyone around me was like what is so much time into this what's it going to lead to and I was like oh I don't know you know something and then you know then it becomes a book or whatever so I think um you know like and also what's what works for you in your life like you know you and I did our podcast together for a few years and my open kitchen and all that stuff was great and then um you know and then another book came along so I had to like kind of pivot and just focus on that completely and um so I think it's just really what what's manageable with your other commitments um because yeah like we've all got to pay the bills so then freelance work comes in that your name doesn't necessarily get attached to but it pays the bills and so then maybe your passion projects have to take a little side sideline for a moment and they come back when it's the right time but um, you know my newsletter that I do every Monday I really love doing that so I do it every week because I enjoy it you know so I think um, finding something that doesn't feel like a slog is probably um, the key to, keep it, to con- continuing with it
1: one of those opportunities was the uh, Ruridic, now Agri Futures Rural Woman of the Year Award, which you won in uh, twenty fifteen, wasn't it? Uh, twenty
0: sixteen.
1: Twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, so amazing. I mm. remember it clearly. I just started working with you on the My Open Kitchen podcast. Yeah. Um, tell me what this year did did for you. Um, how did it widen your horizons? And yeah.
0: Um, it was amazing opportunity, and I like couldn't recommend to, to anyone who has like an idea they want to kind of evolve um, more, like to, to suss out the rural woman award. Um, I, I guess the th- main thing for me was it, it like it certainly um, introduced me to some incredible women who I find very inspiring, and I've learned a lot from. But also just sort of gave me the courage of my convictions. You know, I'm as you know, I'm not a, a rural woman by birth, and I felt like a bit of a a fake for a while there like you know as a city girl just come to the country and banging on on social media or whatever but um I guess it sort of made me realize that you know I had a contribution to make and it wasn't in you know ag policy or it wasn't in any kind of too serious but um you know helping people tell their stories and giving them the confidence and the skills to, to do that on social media and build communities around what they do is what I'm really passionate about and I think actually in its own way that is important so yeah it just sort of gave me a big confidence boost really and like a lot of people I'm a bit of a confidence player when I'm feeling kind of good about myself that's what I'm firing um so yeah it just sort of gave me it gave me that but also like I, I did the company directors board I've been on the board of the um World Agricultural Society Foundation for a few years and so all sorts of opportunities like that which have been incredible um but but for me I guess the main one was that sort of Realization that I've got a valid role to play here, and I can make my contribution and feel proud of it.
1: And I think it talks to the fact as well that there are so many different ways of leadership. You know, the ag industry looks for new leaders, particularly women, all the time. And sometimes you can um, be led to believe that leadership means being the CEO of a company or mm. the chairman on a board. Um, but it's it doesn't have to be as you know. Um, I was going to say high profile, but but you have a wonderfully high profile, just doing exactly what what you love and building communities and telling stories and putting content out there.
0: Um, I, look, thank you, but I couldn't agree with you more about that idea of um, the idea of a power, like a strong kind of rural woman making her mark it doesn't necessarily have to be you know someone sitting on board or doing this or that. There's so many different ways that we can kind of contribute and um make a you know build really amazing careers as well like and and we've seen that you know buy from the bush and all these other you open the pages of Gracie hair and it's like women doing so many different things um all rural women but with lots and lots of different hats on so I find that really exciting um yeah so I think it's it's good to kind of redefine um that traditional image of, of <laughs> the rural woman and um it's been happening for a long time so Yeah, it's exciting.
1: More from Sophie in just a moment, but now a word from our sponsor. Seed Terminator helped Grazy Her bring you this story as they truly get what this is all about. Connection and innovation a homegrown south australian business with roots on kangaroo island seed terminators ethos revolves around technology rooted in a love for the land and respect for those who nurture it their mission is to safeguard our farms for future generations while making the biggest possible difference to the world of food production They do this by producing groundbreaking ag tech that offers farmers an economic, sustainable, foolproof way to banish weeds for good. The Terminator is a simple attachment to the rear of the combine and uses steel to crush, shear, impact and grind the weed-laden chaff material, killing 99% of weeds non-chemically. To find out more, head to seedterminator.com. So if I'm interested to hear from you about the building community piece and you do it so beautifully and also sharing other people's stories by working with them,
0: what's your approach to that? Um, I I guess, I mean, I love collaborating and I love working with people. And, you know, when I moved to the country, as I said earlier, I was super happy about it but um what it did do as well was kind of remove me from a lot of people who I worked with and who I could sit and talk about the lighting on a clove of garlic for five hours or whatever it might be you know back in my food magazine days so um I think you know I found that social media kind of jumped in and filled that for me and you know you're able to make all these connections with people who you never would normally stumble across on the main street or or whatever um and and make really meaningful connections with them so you know, when I started kind of exploring Instagram and, and wasting not wasting, but spending many, many, many hours on that app. I still do, um, you know, I found these people whose whose eye or whose work or whose take on life really appealed to me and you know, I'd reach out and say, Hey, um, we've never met before, but I'd love to do a workshop with you or whatever it might be and, and nine times out of ten people will say yes. You know, it's I think um you just gotta ask. If you wanna collaborate with someone, just reach out to them and um so I I get huge amounts of pleasure out of doing that and um you know a lot of a lot of these collaborations um have led to friendships or work opportunities or whatever it might be but um and you know we have a mutual friend Louisa Brimble who's a photographer based in Sydney and she really kind of taught me that that you just got to put yourself out there and ask the question you know they might say no or they might say yes and and then off you go but um you know, we see so many incredible women um, doing this um, all, all the time, you know, collaborations and people, you know, and Grazy Her facilitates a lot of that. I think um, I just love that. You know, I talked recently about um, in an Instagram post about the sort of shine theory, you know, like if you shine, I shine. And I really love that. And I think it's so encouraging to see more of that because back in my magazine days, I don't think that wasn't such a thing. You know, everyone was kind of like looking after their own little patch and doing their thing and being lovely, but there's a lot more generosity and knowledge and skills and, you know, I'll bring this to the table and you bring that to the table and we'll make it work. So, yeah, I just, I would say to anyone who has an idea they want to collaborate with anyone, just reach out to that person, like DM them, send them an email, whatever, um, because you never know what will come of it. Can you tell me about the Shine Theory? Oh, yeah, so it's... um, it was coined by Aminatou Notuso and Anne Friedman, who are co-hosts of a podcast I love called "Call Your Girlfriend." Do you know that one, Sky? It's American. Yeah. Um, I love it. Anyway, so they they sort of coined this idea of um, when you shine, I shine. So it's that whole rising boats, rising tides lift all boats kind of theory. And you know, um, so if we sort of all kind of work to lift each other up, then um, that's good for everybody. And I think. Um, the kind of bubble of Instagram that I'm in is very on board with that which makes me very happy I know it's sort of it's not for everyone maybe but um I think particularly in the country you know you look at um your previous one of your previous guests Sky Austin of Gingin Garden Club you know um we did a, a photo shoot for Grazy Her for the spring issue and she came along and we had M from Princey Wines and all these sort of amazing women who came together for the day and like just the buzz like Actually, a photographer, Clancy, had to sort of keep saying to him, can you guys just stop talking for a sec? I need to take some photos because we were like, hey, blah, 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 you know, all these ideas pinging around and um, I think that's just so exciting and everyone's like, yeah, I'll drop everything for the day and come and be on your photo shoot because who knows what will come out of that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's my interpretation, interpretation of shine theory and I, I think um, it's something that we all will benefit from and do benefit from. Can you tell me a
1: little bit about, um, a bit more about the behind the scenes of how that shoot actually came together? Like where, who pulled all these people together? Did you have the idea and did you uh, pitch it to Claire or did you get direction from, from Claire as to who would be working together? Just for other people who yeah. might have a seed of an idea to try and do something similar. It would be mm. so interesting to know how it really works
0: for sure. So Clancy and I have done a few shoots, um, like food shoots for Claire, um, for Gracie Her, um, so far. And she, Claire's just so great because she just sort of says to us, I know like, I think she trusts that we'll get good stuff done for her. So the, there was a general idea. It was a spring blossom ladies lunch. So it was the idea that, you know, maybe, maybe some picnics or shows or races might start to come back with COVID. So let's do a little celebration, sort of picnic style lunch. So, um, we wanted a blossom tree, and we couldn't find one, so I put out on Instagram like the night before, like, has anyone got a blossom tree anywhere between Orange and mine <laughs> And a few people came back to <laughs> came back to us, and one of them was Sophie Jones, who's got Hillside Harvest at Boronor and she took some photos, and I sent them to Clancy and we're like, yep, that's our tree, great. Um, and she bought. Uh, we we basically just sort of trying to round up whoever's around to sort of come and be a be an extra in our shoot, and and all the better if they're you know, um, they've got something to bring to the table. So, like, obviously, um, Claire is involved with Crazy Her, and M had her beautiful wine, and um, so Hillside Harvest. So, it's a really nice opportunity to shine. Pardon the pun, shine the light on some other really cool women doing cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Soif was amazing. She was just like, yeah, the house is open, just going in, heat stuff up in the oven. You know, she'd never met half of us. It was not a problem. You know, this is just what I love about were all women they're just like yep sweet let yourself in there's the iron go for it um so that's how that came about and then obviously I, I bring the food and develop the recipes and Clancy brings her incredible skill with the camera and she's got a really great eye for styling as well Clancy I don't know if she gets enough credit for that because she just really brings things together so beautifully um And in terms of – and then like a lot of – Claire also said that some um, products and labels were going to be sent to us to to include in the shoot if we found room for them. There was never any pressure. I think um, it's more just like, hey, if if these rugs or plates or shirts or hats work, then that would be great, and they all did. So we all kind of played dress-ups and, um, you know, different brands sent us beautiful bits and bobs. So that's how those shoots come together. I wish I could say it was – you know, super organized and um we had run sheets and all the rest of it. But because it's just Clancy and I think it kind of it's not that hard just to sort of make it happen and we know we'll make it happen and get it right. Well, hopefully. Um so yeah, I think just to sort of put the idea out there and, and you know say, hey, look, you're good at photos and I can do this and we'll get these people and we'll set up a scene. Like just to create content to then send to someone and say, hey, this is what we did last weekend just with friends. I could do something similar for you. Are you interested? That kind of thing, like just taking that initiative. I think if, if people did have an idea for something like that they wanted to do, just to do it and then send the photos off and say, hey, if this is something you're interested in, I can do it again for you. Or, And it's just a great opportunity to be in the same place with some of these people for a day because you don't always get to see them face-to-face.
1: Absolutely. The friendships that are born out of that are, Yeah. So great because yeah. of the shared experience, and and it's always a well, you'd imagine that it's a wonderful a wonderful experience, good fun. Mm. Um, you, I think you're like such a good person to ask this question of what what is the appetite for rural content at the moment like, and you've been in this scene for. Um, more than ten years now, and I suppose you see it ebb and flow and you've pitched lots of stories and taken photos for lots of publications. you up to your third cookbook now um, yeah is is uh, rural and regional living and its people having its moment in the sun now, or has it been building gradually? I'm just interested to hear what you think
0: um i think I think it has been building for a long time, like we all know magazines like Country Style and Outback magazine have always had like really big, loyal followers in the city. Um, so there's always been that fascination, I guess. But I do think now um, it's it's really at a new high. I think Buy From The Bush has had a big part of that. I think, you know, podcasts like this one, there's a lot of rural podcasts that are ama- doing amazing work kind of spreading these stories. And I think you know, with COVID and border closures, we've all become a lot more aware of um, just what we do produce here in Australia or here in our state or whatever it might be. And um, there's a real interest in in the stories behind our food and fibre. I think that's never been there before, or or not to this level. So I think you know, the more we can kind of jump onto that and 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 step into that interest ourselves as real people telling the stories to our consumers, the better. Um, yeah, I definitely think there's been a huge um, uptake in in that kind of general interest, and also like because I know it's not for everyone. I know that people are still in drought, but but it has for a lot of people been a really good season. And I and I think that story has been spreading around, and you know, in the cities, and everyone's really happy. Like everyone's like, "Oh, we've seen you guys go through droughts and bushfires. It's just awesome to see all these photos of green grass swaying mm. in the wind." You know, so um, yeah, I, I think. I feel really reassured and really optimistic that that there is this sort of um, increase, not like across the board. I know some people are just aren't interested, but there is a real um, active interest.
1: It's so good, and it's such an encouragement to keep the to to keep putting yourself out there and keep the content flowing and keep the pictures coming in. And like you say, with your experience with local, is lovely. That um, you just never know something could come of it um, if if you're in front of people enough.
0: Mm. yes I mean it depends what you sorry depends what you want to get out of it I guess like if you're just sort of doing it to connect with friends and family then awesome but if you want to like build yourself a little mini platform or big platform um yeah like as we've said before you and I like you just never know who's watching or who's looking for good stories or who might want to collaborate with you or so you know just just keep showing up and like I mentioned Claire before like she shares so much knowledge on her Instagram account, Gingin, is it Gingin or Gingin? Gingin Garden Club. Um, and, you know, look yeah. what's coming out of it. Like she's getting all this, you know, this traction and momentum and, you know, any anyone, you know, with a smartphone in their pocket and, and some good stuff to share can build themselves a platform if they want one, I think now. And that's that's awesome.
1: So if I've got two more questions before I let you go, um, <laughs> it's been so interesting to chat with you I know I know you so well and have worked with you and it still um just makes me smile all the time hearing about what what you do um Because you've been doing it for such a long time and I think you accurately reflect a little bit like the juggle that um, so many women all over face, which is children driving to school, um, being a part of the community, cooking um, and trying to tie down a freelance um, role where, you know, there's lots of changes and nothing is quite – nothing nothing stays the same for very long. What's your own observations on the juggling act and how you manage that? Have you got it down pat yet, do you think? No,
0: (laughs) no, I definitely don't have it down Mm -hmm. pat. I'm not sure if I have a will. I I think, and I've had this conversation with you a few times, I do think I wear too many hats actually to be quite honest and so I'm trying to kind of take a few of them off and really – niche down in a few areas because I think it can be quite stressful to you know we all have these like multi-hyphenate careers and there's a lot you need to stay on top of and I, I do find that a bit stressful like oh god I'm not I'm not on top of the latest news on this or that or whatever it might be um so there's that but also I think you know the juggle of it's a really short school day and um you know, we're about to come into really long school holidays for Christmas and it's it's hard, you know, and you take on all these things because freelance you just never want to say no to anything and then you kind of find yourself like working, you know, up at 4.30 every morning and working late at night just to get everything done and then feel present as a mom and make sure the school lunches have got like plenty of protein and healthy stuff in it, blah, blah, blah. So it's hard but I think what, I've, what I have realised is that like it's not the end of the world if I drop a few balls. Like we're all juggling a lot, lot of balls and if the kids go to school with like crappy Vegemite sandwich in a pack of shapes that's fine like no one's gonna you know no one's gonna die um or you know if you don't post on your blog or if you don't get that podcast up or if you don't like that's fine it's you can drop some balls it's not a problem as long as you just sort of keep showing up when you can with good stuff um so yeah I don't have the juggle down pat I don't think any of us do but um I am being a lot gentler on myself these days that if I don't do everything i want to do or if i don't tick everything off my to-do list um it's okay come the next day do a bit more and then the next day a bit more and it'll get done because no one's actually probably caring as much as you do either i think that's the other thing like i said to Mum, oh my god i don't think i'm gonna get a newsletter yeah. out this morning. and she's like it's cool no one's gonna care so wait they'll get one next week i'm like oh of course <laughs> <laughs> We're too hard on ourselves.
1: Thanks, Mum. Sage advice from Mum. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was a bit offended. I was like, well, maybe one person will care. I worked really hard on it.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs>
1: okay, I won't
0: care. Lots of people would
1: care. Oh, uh, it's um. And are you really a four thirty a.m. riser?
0: uh no, not. I mean, every now and then, if I'm really under the pump, but I do, I do try and get up at five most days. Um, and and because that's when I, like 5 to 6 or 5.30 to kind of 6.30 is when I get my, like, good stuff done. I try and I don't have emails turned on or anything. I just write. And I'm also, like, a bit obsessive about my sourdough baking at the moment. But one nice thing about that is it breaks my mornings up into little chunks. So, like, everything seems to happen in sort of 20-minute chunks. Like, you fold the dough and and then I'll do a few more. I'll write for 20 minutes and then I'll, it's like my own kind of version of the Pomodoro (laughs) technique. Um, And then I'll preheat the oven. There's another 20 minutes. So, um, I quite like that time um, and often if like one of the kids wakes up at 5.30 I'm like hey, go back to bed no no it's not your time yet <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but yeah I, I'm an early bird to bed like I like I, I'm I'm not a, I don't burn them in at all or anything I get really tired so I've kind of go to bed early and wake up early sounds really boring <laughs> that's what works for me.
1: My final question is, what's coming up for you, Soph, in the in the future? What exciting things can we look forward to from Sophie Hansen?
0: Oh, um, so, well, my book, uh, In Good Company, which is coming out in, uh, I haven't got an exact date yet, but April, around April next year, which is really exciting slash terrifying. So we're just like signing off on the cover right now and getting that all kind of like the exact wording right and all this sort of stuff. It just takes it's such a long process so that's exciting um and yeah like I want to take a bit of a break over Chrissy just to really hang out with the kids and not be rushing off to my computers every two seconds so I'm going to try and take maybe January off hit the beach um but yeah I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure what you think about this I've been investigating Substack a bit looking into maybe a some sort of paid newsletter on top of what I currently do with extra recipes and meal planning stuff so that's something I'm kind of tossing around I'm not sure it'll a bit of more of the same hopefully a bit more freelance work that just sort of chugs away in the background and yeah get my garden sorted and hang out with the kids
1: oh, sounds good well I know that you are in the middle of cooking now um so I'll let you get back to it but thank you so much for uh sparing some time to have a chat for life on the land
0: Oh, thank you for having me Sky and I, I'm sorry if I ramble a bit I get a bit carried away with my answers sometimes. <laughs> so hopefully you can like do some heavy editing and um, get get rid of all my rambles but um, yeah I loved chatting with you and I wish we got to do it more often
1: Sophie's been a colleague of mine and she's a friend. And even though I know her story inside out, I could listen to it again and again and again. There is always more pearls of wisdom on offer. Life on the Land is a Grazy Her podcast and is independently produced. The best way that you can support this venture is to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. And... We love it when you share these wonderful stories with your friends in Australia and all over the world. We'll be back with another Life on the Land story next week.